A Grand Old Flag, a blog post by Jason Green. It was the morning of the first day of school, and my wife, Viola, and I were beginning a walk. A neighbor, behind the wheel of a few thousand pounds of car, had just dropped off less than 100 pounds of offspring. Andromeda, Andy, Blennerhassett, was alarmed and needed to share immediately. She was in a sufficient hurry, or perhaps insufficiently committed to taking whatever time was necessary to have an exchange in an unpolluted environment, that we merited only an idling car and a window roll-down. On my way to drop off Ravinia at Pine Hills Elementary, I spied a number of mailboxes with their doors open. Evidently, we have a box banded in our midst. Jason, what are you going to do about it? Viola and I had been reading about the scourge of porch pirates, those who take packages belonging to others. If we were going to discuss thieves who pilfer mail, it was only fair we assign them a correspondingly evocative nom de guerre. Clearly, Andy favored the bandit designation, but I was not certain this name was a settled issue. Accepting that we must maintain an alliterative assonance, might one so employed be called a mail mugger? Putting nomenclature aside, could our cherished community be the next vulnerable victim? Viola volunteered. Perchance, puckish pranksters wickedly wished to churlishly celebrate the commencement of school with a fun felony. I was impressed that she could get all that out. Andy was not amused. I adopted a serious mien. Of course, we should all take this seriously. Andy replied, I have to go. My other little one, Saffron, needs ferrying to middle school. It just would not do to be late on the first day of school. Andy sped off, and I stowed my grave look. You see, when one is placed in a position of responsibility, such as an HOA president, one has to adopt a very high moral tone on all subjects. Viola, who knows me well, suggested that if I was done being businesslike for my constituent, could we return to our light-natured walk. I said, perish the thought of perturbing our perambulation. We must perforce proceed. On our way around the subdivision, we saw some mailboxes with their tongues hanging out and returned their doors to the upright position. All this talk about mailboxes has gotten me to wonder more broadly about flagging. You can tell a lot about a person by knowing whether they flag or not and why. I am not talking about patriotism or support for holidays. I am not talking about school spirit. I am not talking about whether one gets tuckered. And I am not talking about being in a semaphore club. I am talking about mail, optimization, and joy. Jason, what do you have on tap for today? A promotional period for our cable service expired and the rate jumped up. I need to spend the morning trying to negotiate back down to what we were paying pre-vault. Sounds like fun, not. I don't know what irks me the greater, having to pay more for the same service or discovering my vendor of long standing is running a special, just for customers of fresh standing, that is lower than what we are paying. Well, I do know that I prefer to pay less, but I puzzle over whether my commercial counterparty would have notified me of the deal, or just let yours truly keep paying more. Actually, I know the answer to that one, too. Don't you envy businesses that can apply, say, a 3% price increase every year? I wish I could do that. You're right. 
I'm going to raise my HOA salary by 3%. Since they pay you nothing now, I expect no one will complain if you give yourself more emotional satisfaction dollars. Beyond wrestling with billing, today is the Romeo lunch, so it's a full day. Sounds that way. Best not to overdo. By the way, please add some note of appreciation for Tuesday's dinner to the thank you card I am sending Paul and Prue care. The full treatment, I see. A hostess gift when we went, and now the thank you note as follow-up? Blame it on the way I was raised. I'd better run the card out to the mailbox before I call the cable company. You know how that goes. I could be on the phone for hours. There's a lot going on here, so let's unpack this, shall we? First, vendors used to print and send bills via the Postal Service. Now these are sent electronically. At first, this was called electronic billing, which sounds modern, but is a trifle clinical and we can do better. Next, we had paperless billing, which is the same thing, but virtuous. Think of all the trees we are saving. The master marketing stroke was the move to eco-billing, which doesn't just signal virtue, obliquely, it shouts. Lost in the move to the digital invoice is that you get one less piece of physical mail inbound. Scientists and engineers talk about the signal-to-noise ratio, which compares the level of a desired signal to the level of background noise. I refer to the value-to-junk ratio, which compares the number of important mail pieces to the amount of crapola. As we have evolved to Echo Bill, the ratio is heading south. Don't get me wrong, there is nothing exciting about getting a bill per se. I simply dislike feeling my visit to the box as being wasted. I would be an advocate for a national do-not-junk list along the lines of the do-not-call. Experience suggests it would work no better, but one can hope. Along with eco-bill comes auto-pay. Maybe this should be called eco-pay. While I do not recall wistfully the joy of writing checks and posting bills, there is entertainment to be had if you seek it. For example, getting the return address to appear in the envelope window is a little like peekaboo. Whether you like to lick the envelope is a matter of taste. For me in my house, selection and placement of a suitable return address label can be a pleasant challenge. You see, over the years, we have received more return address labels than we will ever use. Many have a theme. It is a tiny treat to select and place just the right label. Extra points if the theme is an ironic counterpoint to the destination. I like to announce to Viola. Before going, I will say, I'm going to take these letters to the mailbox. Upon return, I'll say, I'm back. Often I have an observation to share, or I may have run into someone by the street. Perhaps a neighbor has told me of an issue that I just must do something about. As the adage goes, you can't shoot the deer from the lodge, and it is hard to bag neighborhood bounty if you stay indoors. Going to the mailbox to fetch letters is one opportunity to connect. Sending some out doubles your chances for serendipity. At last we have arrived at the whole flagging business. For outband mail, you face a momentous decision. Do you raise the flag or not? The advantage of the flag is that, assuming the letter carrier drops the ensign after servicing the box, you can spot the service state by looking out your window. 
Perhaps the flag is helpful to the letter carrier, although they look in the box anyway. Mayhap you are letting some male marauding miscreant know you have outgoing mail. However, first, we don't have a lot of box pilferage here, and second, such a cad might look in any box, whether be flagged or not. No, the real benefit is the ability to see at a distance if the mail has come. To amplify the emotional response to a change in flag state, or not, our roadway is such that I can see the pennant position from a considerable way off. If I am on a walk around delivery time, and if I use the flag, I experience higher highs and lower lows. This is how I am living on the edge. Without the flag, you run the risk of going to check the post, only to discover that it has not yet come. You can balance this deflation against the emotional inflation of discovering mail is there. Sometimes you might be out and about early in the day, half-heartedly check the box expecting nothing, and find something. Who can put a price on that? We are a mixed family. Generally, I do not flag, and Viola does. To each his own. On flag days, if I announced that I was going to check if the mail has come, Viola might determine if the ensign has dropped. If it hasn't, she might preempt my departure. What a killjoy, party pooper, wet blanket, I hear you cry. Assuming I am face to face with some postal stuffing, I begin a rapid triage. Most of the contents will be junk. If it is recycling pickup day, I can be very efficient and move unwanted mail from hand to bin in a jiffy. I recall visiting a post office and looking into the vestibule that housed the post office boxes. There was a long table and a very capacious trash barrel. Patrons were retrieving their mail, sorting it on the table, and tossing the lion's share into the dumpster. This seems doubly sad. First, the patron is all excited about getting correspondence only to be disappointed when it turns out to be a lot of dreck. Second, the postal worker, in charge of sorting, perhaps watching this action through the tiny window on the interior side of a box, despairs at his wasted effort. No one wins. We get a chuckle whenever there is mail for our dog. We put her name on some forms, mostly to see what correspondence would result. We also get communications for my deceased in-laws. We had their post forwarded before they passed, and they still get solicitations. Hearing aids are a common opportunity. There are two other forms of mail that I encounter. One is the small goodie bag on the driveway. Inside is a business card and a rock or a few small stones to weigh down the baggie. These marketing bonbons are thrown from passing cars. I tend to keep the rock and toss the bag and card. I wonder what the conversion rate on this method is. The other baggies I find in our community are ones filled with dog poo. While you may not be able to judge a book by its cover, I believe I can judge that content by its delivery sack. Another form of mail is the business card taped to the outside of the box. Label me grumpy old man, but I am no more a fan of these than the marketing rock candy. Sometimes I see these advertisements delivered by a driver and taper team. The driver slows to a stop near a box, and the stickmeister leans out the window to affix this marketing gem. I'm all for entrepreneurship, but prefer we limit the number of vendors cruising the neighborhood. By the time I have gotten back to the house, I have sifted and winnowed the missives. This gives me something to share with Viola. 
I figure I get a little credit for being in the know a few moments ahead of her, and she humors me. The day after our run-in with Andy, my trip to the end of the driveway happened to coincide with the arrival of our letter carrier. Seeing an unfamiliar face, I introduced myself. The male woman, Sarah, announced that she was a substitute driver, that she had taken the route the previous day, and that she likely would finish out the week. Our regular courier was under the weather, but expected to be back on the job in a few days. I remarked that I had noticed a more than usual number of mailbox flaps open the preceding day. Sarah shared that this was behavior well known to the postal authorities. Apparently, some enterprising and charismatic youth from our subdivision and its neighbors had come up with a dare in the run-up to the recommencement of school. This brain trust had proposed that those seeking schoolyard glory demonstrate daring do by dropping doors. The ringleaders had been identified and instructed not to repeat the performance. I thanked Sarah for the information and shared that I was glad to have been part of her day. Back inside, I brought Viola up to date. She asked if I was going to bother briefing Andy. I said that I trusted the message had been delivered to the children and I would rather spend my time focused on my bride. Viola rewarded me with a smile and a freshly baked treat. I hope you've enjoyed this reading of A Grand Old Flag, a blog post by Jason Green.